0: I'm walking through the Dublin airport. I'm four months into a however long journey around Europe after college, a walking American cliche. But I'm one of those travelers who weirdly loves being in airports. I don't know, part of me loves that energy, everyone zipping to different corners of the world, the excitement, the bittersweet goodbyes, the elated hellos, I love it here. But the other reason I really like hanging out in airports is that it quells my anxiety that something wrong is going to happen, that my plans will somehow be sideswiped, a late train, endless traffic, a never-ending check-in line, and maybe I end up living in the airport like Tom Hanks. I love airports, but not enough to live here. I'm just about to get on a quick hour flight to London. By the time I buckle my seatbelt, I'll be ready to disembark. I check my backpack and grab a small carry-on with me. I run to the bathroom before I go through security and shuffle through my bag to find a tampon, but instead I find my pepper spray. Fuck, I'm such a fucking idiot, what am I gonna do? I had been hitchhiking around Europe and a German friend had given me pepper spray when I was hitchhiking alone. I never planned on using it, but it always just made me feel safe. I repack my bag so maybe the security will mistake it for a tube of lipstick. I wrap it around a scarf and stuff it in the bottom of my bag. I head to the security line and I start to sweat. The kind of sweat where you're driving and you see a cop car ahead and you know that you're not doing anything wrong, but it still freaks you out. You don't breathe as you pass, thinking that somehow stifling your breath will make them not see you. Hello, officer. I step through security. I put down my bag and see it slowly go into that black box as I walk through the metal detector. I hear an alarm go off. A small, gruff Irish woman pats me down. Oof, does she pet her cat this aggressively? Then, I see a male guard put on blue gloves and begin to go through my bag. Fuck. He reaches in and pulls out my pepper spray. They hold it up to the light, the way a miner holds a diamond up to the sun. The guard talks into his clip-on radio on his shoulder and asks me to step aside. Oh, now I'm really sweating. Oh my god, I hope I don't miss my... I'm such a fucking idiot. How could I forget to put this in my carry-on? Why (laughs) did I think I could get away with this? so fucking dumb. Then a portly Irish man with a thick white beard and mustache approaches me. He's got a weathered face. He looks like a miniaturized Santa Claus who's been chain-smoking since he moved up north and has been spiking the eggnog way too hard. The security guard hands him the pepper spray, and then he stares down at it in his thick hands. He then looks up at me and asks me to explain myself. You know this is illegal, right? Right. In most countries, for a pedestrian to be carrying it. Holy shit. Oh my god, I didn't know. Oh my fucking god. Okay, maybe I can run for it. I can totally outrun this guy. No, that's fucking dumb. He made enough bad decisions today. The sweat seems to stick me to the spot. I don't want to cause any more of a scene. The people behind me who are collecting their things are watching. I can feel their eyes burn into my skin like lasers as they pass me to catch their flights. Just own it. Throw yourself at the mercy of this aging leprechaun and get on with it. Well, um, officer, I'm, I'm traveling alone. And, well, my mom didn't want me to be unprotected, and I, I honestly, I didn't know it was illegal. He then looks back down at the pepper spray and lets out a heavy sigh. <sighs> I guess I can start imagining myself living in the airport. Maybe life here won't be so bad. Then he looks back up at me and says, Well, tell your mammy that the Irish had to take it from you. Off you go. What? I... I'm free? What? I didn't... uh, Okay, I don't... don't question it. Just scram. I profusely thank him, possibly spitting all over him, snag my bag and gun for the gate. Holy shit, that was a close one. I scurried away to check the departure times, and even though I was frazzled, I still had plenty of time to get to my gate without any stress, and I merrily ran along my way. But that same story doesn't end the same for everyone. If I had darker skin, I might have ended up in the airport police station, missed my flight, gotten a criminal report, and deported out of the UK on the next flight to America. But instead, I relaxed on my flight to London. My 22-year-old brain didn't clock the white privilege that had just happened in front of me. And I absolutely knew what I did was dumb. I should have just thrown the pepper spray away instead of trying to get away with it. But maybe as a white person, I'm more likely to take risks because part of me knows I can get away with it. And I think that that's part of the privilege that white people don't want to give up is that we want to be treated differently. Because the assumptions that are tattooed with invisible ink on our skin is that we are automatically trustworthy. We are perceived to be safe and not threatening. And we can talk our way out of any situation. And guess what? pepper spray is illegal. It's as bad as carrying a gun in the United Kingdom. I should have gotten some kind of penalty. I didn't even know the legality around it until I was writing this episode eight years later. La 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 la. But I didn't even get a slap on the wrist. And this was a unique moment because although I do consider myself an ally to people of color, I wasn't doing anything outwardly racist. I didn't high-five the police officer and said, isn't it great being white? And then we just jumped into the air and clicked our heels. Obviously I didn't do that, but what I was doing wasn't outwardly oppressing anyone of a different skin color. So this instance is fine, right? Absolutely not. But what should I have done in that situation? If I was a better ally, should I have thrown my wrists into the security guard's face and shouted, Arrest me! Don't coddle me like you do the rest of my people! Give me the punishment I deserve! I'm not sure. I should have been punished. I was getting away with something that I absolutely shouldn't have. And with no other reason than the color of my skin and possibly my gender as well. But I took advantage of a situation where others would have been treated so differently, very differently. I'm not sure what I should have done, but I know that when it comes to solving the racism problem, it starts with listening. Today on the episode, we will talk about how systemic racism affects travel. We will talk to travelers of color about their experiences when they cross the border and what else they have to plan for besides lodging and activities. I'm Adrienne Bain, and this is Strangers Abroad. Here we go. obviously have no idea what it's like to be a person of color abroad, and I'm not going to pretend that I do. But as I learned in the conversation that you're about to hear, there are plenty of differences the way people of color handle traveling abroad. So I'm giving the podcast over to two fellow travel podcasters, Rebecca and Sarita from On She Goes Podcast. It's hosted by women of color who discuss their experiences and realities when they go abroad and they give their audiences the support they need to be fellow intrepid travelers. We started the conversation by discussing how Sarita and Rebecca got into travel.
1: I'm Sarita. I am one-fourth of On She Goes, travel and lifestyle podcast for women of color. We launched in 2017. It, it's, it's weird because we were having a conversation about travel and... At the time I I hadn't really gone anywhere. So everyone was talking about travel and I was kind of like, yeah, travel, cool. No. Like because I had never thought that it was something that I would actively be doing. I knew that there were travel influencers and people doing it, but I just assumed that everybody was like either rich or you know, had like a crazy job that they could work from everywhere else or their parents paid for it or something like that. Growing up, I did not travel. We took the minivan to places that we had to be, like Disney World, and that was pretty much it. When we started doing this and we started thinking about the reasons why I didn't travel, a lot of my reasons were psychological because I didn't know how people would perceive me. I just assumed that this wasn't a space that for me. Travel wasn't something I saw my family doing. I didn't have a bunch of friends that were like going everywhere. I mean, growing up, I had one or two friends that were like, my parents are taking us to Paris for the summer. I'm like, oh, are you like a princess? Like, I don't know how that works. So, you know, but it also seems really scary. And I think that's a thing that people don't take into account, like as a black woman, I am literally, I'm scared to go camping by myself, number one, and with other people in the woods of Oregon, you know, and that's, that's my backyard. But I'm also terrified to backpack across the country because I know that, like we said about Black Lives Matter, my life doesn't have as much value placed on it as another person's would, another, a white person specifically, You know, so it's like I know that if I go disappearing in the backwoods of because I'm backpacking through Italy or something like that on a train or whatever have you and something happens to me, the only person riding for me is my mama. Like, you know, and so, yeah, it was very foreign to me. And then when I finally did it, it was great. I'm not afraid of new cities. And that's what makes me feel like I waited way too long to start traveling. I'm now in my late 30s and I'm like, I waited way too long. I should have been doing this. I think that spark to travel came, like, late. Like, I feel like it came after I got back from Barcelona, which was last year. It was great. Yeah, after going to Barcelona, I came back, and I was like, I'm happy to be back, but I want to go out and see other things now. Like, I was mad that I didn't go to Morocco while I was in Spain and that I didn't, like, go over to Mallorca when I really could have and all of these things, and so now I kind of have regrets but that, the spark came super late. The spark literally came, like, last year around this time. I think it was something about going by myself that really was, like, Rebecca hates traveling with people. No, I'm just kidding. She doesn't hate it. She likes to solo travel. And she's forced to travel with us all the time. But, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I think it wasn't until I went by myself that I started to feel like I'm missing things in the world and I have to go see those things and I need to do it now and today.
0: This is Rebecca.
2: So my introduction was when I was in college, my senior year, I won a spring break trip to Acapulco and took my sister there and that was pretty cool because that was my my first foray into international travel. And that was super fun as you can imagine. Just like all expenses paid on a beach and we were we were right next to the beach where like MTV was doing their spring break. Like we didn't infiltrate but like we could have. But it, it I think what I learned was that I'm not scared to do things in foreign countries because like I think three other groups of people had won. One person her mom was so scared to send her and her boyfriend to Mexico that like they didn't leave the hotel. Like it was a beautiful hotel but it was very much like a hotel. And they didn't leave the whole week. Me and my sister like got on the bus, went to the mall, went to the Walmart, walked around, met locals, and all of this stuff. We 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 took we we probably shouldn't have followed a random man to get a sombrero, but we did. I think I learned about myself though. Like I'm not scared to do things, and I'm not scared to meet people who are from other cultures and learn more about them. I also speak Spanish not as well as I used to, but I essentially became the tour guide of the whole group because I was the only person who spoke spanish at that point and so i learned like you know cultural mo- immersion is cool and you know getting to, to know about people is interesting but then you know when i entered the workforce i was adamant about like I don't know. I had this weird fear that like, if I took time off, someone was going to come from my position. And so like, I never took any vacation. Like I didn't do anything at all. I would go home for Thanksgiving and work through Thanksgiving. Like I do social media. And so of course there's like always things to be posted and like, but I would be sitting in the corner on Thanksgiving, like writing up, a, dummying up a post and my grandma would be judging me. Like, what are you doing? Why are you working? You're at home. And I never fully took any time off. And I, kind of made a like a pack to myself because I I left a job and I did not get my vacation time back because they were raggedy and I was like you know what if I'm not going to get this time back I'm not going to get paid for it I'm going to start taking my vacation and so that is something that like I don't really care like projects can be held things can go down I'm not going to be there so the first place that I went was St. Lucia and that was when I was working in New York. And I was, I was not afraid, I probably should have taken way more vacation than I did. But I was still like, kind of, you know, just dipping a toe into vacation. So I took four days off and stayed in this beautiful place on the beach. From there on, I was like, Okay, this is glorious. I don't have anything to do. Nobody knows where I am, really. Nobody's gonna bother me. And I don't have any work to do. And so from then on, I've made it a point to like, take my time off. And I think that was like really what started it for me.
0: In our conversation, we initially connected around the joys and frustrations of traveling solo as a woman. So I asked them how being a POC, SFT is different.
1: Everyone in my family got very, my mother was visibly upset when I told her I was going to Barcelona alone. She actually offered to come with me and I was like, definitely not. (laughs) that's certainly not happening and I was like the point is for me to go alone one of the reasons why I went alone was because I needed to do it for myself like I needed to know that I could do this thing I could go and travel by myself like other people do it all the time Rebecca makes it back safely each and every time like I should just try it you know and It was, yeah, it was great. I mean, and I, my family, I'm like, see, I'm not scared. Like, you guys are so scared. Everyone's so scared, you know? And it's like, you can't, you can't be scared. Cause what if I didn't have anyone? What if you don't have anyone in your life that you can come home to? So, what do you do then? Like, I mean, as far as traveling goes, I've had a couple of things happen to me. I've had people look at me funny because I'm sitting in first class or I'm not dressed up in first class or I'm sitting in like even just the first couple of rows like you know or it's very wild to me too when I do see like you know I've been wearing like Nikes and stuff like that one time I was wearing like a Nike sweatsuit and some Nike shoes and like I was just on my phone and I could hear someone go oh she must work at Nike because I'm in first class and I'm like I mean, I don't. But like, it's just so weird. It's like the assumptions that people make like people. are, And like, why do people care? Like, that's the thing that's so weird to me. It's like, why are you just go to your seat? You should be more concerned with the fuel on the plane or something like that. Or like whether you're actually going to get to eat a meal or and I don't know the, the air that's circulating, but you're concerned about me sitting minding my own business. Like, it's very, very strange.
2: It's because they have to compartmentalize why you are sitting there and they aren't. It's like they're going, make it make sense. Or what you've done to deserve that seat. Right. As opposed to just like, you know these seats are for sale, right? Right. (laughs) You you could also buy one. (laughs) You know for the right price, you could also sit here. (laughs) What a...
1: uh. That's stuff I've encountered. I've had some weird things with TSA. Sometimes when my hair is braided... Or if I'm wearing, like, a head wrap or something like that, they've been, like, all up in my, like, scalp pretty much. And I'm like, trust me, there's no bombs up here because I'm not messing up this hairdo for no bomb. Um, but, <laughs> like, there's just a lot of, a lot of like, weird things. While traveling, I mean, I've heard some weird things. And I... I, it's hard for me to determine because some of them I, I just take in as cultural, and I think that's like to just kind of be prepared for that, and that was one of the things we talked about a lot in the beginning with Anji Goes, was like, you know, sometimes when you're going places, people don't get to see people like you very often, so they might stare at you, but it doesn't mean that they, like, hate you, it just means that they're curious, or here in America, we have history that is founded on discrimination and racism, so... Ours is different than theirs, where they don't necessarily... A lot of places don't know that we have that history, you know? Or they don't realize that it's, like, that bad. So if they're looking at you, it's like they're not thinking the same things that, like, maybe a white supremacist in, you know, Texas would be looking at you thinking. It's it's a different vibe to me. To me. But I've had people call me, like, chocolate bomba in, in Spain, which I think means chocolate candy. I was... Not offended, but I was also kind of like you know, thank you for acknowledging my fineness. Um but <laughs> like but but at the same time I was also like, uh, yeah, that's not really what you should do. But that's why I said a lot of it I took as
2: like cultural like Echoing Sarita's point. I've had a lot of experience in just being looked at funny when I'm sitting in first class. It's really funny though, because like when black people get on the plane, they always give me the nod, but like when the white people get on the plane, they're just like, they, they're they like looking for cues, social cues of like what I do and what I've done to deserve a seat in first class. I remember this one instance, um, which sucks because it was like one of the, the last times I was on a plane. I had a seat in first class and I was one of the the last people on the plane, I think because I had some friends in the boarding area and I was just talking to them as long as I could. So I got on the plane and there was somebody in my seat. So I asked the flight attendant very nicely, like, Hey, there's somebody in my seat. And she was just like super fussy. Like, well, you'll have to wait till boarding is done. Can you just point me to where, where the seat is? And I'm like, uh, yeah, it's 3A. And so the lady was in the wrong seat because somebody was in her seat. And rather than inconvenience them, they asked me if I would take an aisle and I'm team window. And I'm like, absolutely not for a couple of reasons. One, the attitude and two, you know, I paid for the seat and I would like to sit there. The flight attendant apologized profusely to the woman who was in my seat and not me. And she was also super rude. That wasn't really a microaggression; that was aggressive. But I can't tell you how many times things like that have happened. Then I think I am always the person who has to do additional security. Even when we went to Panama, I was the person who got like the four S's on my passport. I had to go through four security checks. That happens every time I'm in the Amsterdam airport too. And I, I have a pretty generic name. So I, I always question if it's that versus just the fact that like they don't expect someone like me to be traveling in the first place. But it's it's like clockwork. I'm like, I have to do the, the extra security. And I try to be nice to the people because I know it's not their fault, but it's so infuriating and it's so eye-opening. I remember I was coming back from Paris and every single person who was in the hang on, wait a second, additional security line was black and or brown. And the white couple in front of me and the white couple behind me just got to go through. And I was just like, okay, this is a little, literally, this is a little black and white. And they're just like, oh, no, 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 it's just additional. Like, I I understand what you were saying, but look at the people you are letting pass through and look at the people who are in this er- this holding area. Um, One other microaggression. So when I travel, I do like to, again, completely disconnect, not talk to anybody, go all the way on the other side of the world if possible. And also just like stay somewhere nice where I don't have to do anything for as long as possible. And so the first trip that I took, I remember I was talking to a co-worker and she she had been to St. Lucian so she was trying to give me tips and tricks and she's just like oh there's this this place there's this restaurant that me and my mom went to when we when we stayed there Um, but it's super expensive so you might not be able to you know eat there more than one or two nights so but it's called blah 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 and it was it was actually where I was staying and I was like oh okay yeah well I'm staying there so maybe I can go downstairs for dinner gotcha thank you I don't know, it's just like it's weird stuff like that where people just they don't think before they speak or they don't they don't think about how what they say could be perceived and the assumptions that go into, you know, around race and class and things like that. But, you know, she learned that day.
0: When I typed in traveler to Google image search, I saw rows of white men in plaid with a man bun staring out into a mountain view with a backpack on. When I typed in female traveler, it was a series of white women in sundresses on a balcony looking longingly out into the pearl-like buildings of Santorini. I had to scroll for a while before I saw a person of color traveler of either gender. When we have representation, we believe that we can do more because others like us have already done it. I asked Serena and Rebecca why representation is so important.
1: I mean, I think when it comes to the travel industry, I mean, like one of the reasons why we started on She Goes is we've said it before is like if you Google travel, like all of the images that pop up are incredibly white and usually super neutral and also like white male or like white family or something like that. And that is has been the image that's been put out to the travel industry. I think the travel industry also skews very, like, uh, luxury-based in, you know, in the way in which it's kind of like, this is, a, this is a privilege, so this is a luxury that I think they assume that people of color don't have or won't be doing, you know? That's why there's organizations that exist... To help, you know, a lot of like inner city youth and stuff like that get passports and, and, you know, to let you know that you can leave the place where you're from, you can leave this neighborhood, you can go out. Not seeing people traveling when I was growing up, I mean, I know that it started, like, here's the thing, like, I know why I did not see my family members traveling because it's pretty much generational trauma. Leaving home is a huge deal, first of all. So like even moving out of the city that you're from, I'm the only person besides maybe like two other, two or three other people in my family who lives outside of Philadelphia. So it's like leaving home is already a big deal and then doing it by yourself and then possibly going to another country is also a big deal. I think it's like um, it's also money. It's like, do you have the money to travel? Because it's assumed that you can't travel thrifty. You can't travel on a budget. There's no way you're going to go have fun because you don't have the money to spend. And then I think it's also just taxing for for black people specifically to move around in this world, this country, as it is. I mean, like there was the Green Book, which helped us get from like point A to B in the U.S., I mean, North America. But it's also like, think how terrifying that was for black people to move through the South. If you were relocating even from like, a, you know, from the, the South to the North or whatever, wherever you're going, that's also a very dangerous game. So I, I think it's just the idea of general movement. It's the trauma behind all of that. It's all passed down. I mean, I think that's all generational trauma stemming from slavery as well, I think. And like being brought over to this country and with no choice, you know, I have a big problem with boats because of that. Like I'm not taking cruises. I can't really explain it, but it's how I feel. So I think there's like a big thing there. So representation is incredibly important. And I'm so glad that like places like Travel Noir and there's so many travel influencers that are like all women of color and people of color, period, and like all walks of life. LGBTQIA is like really important as well because how you're perceived as a queer person overseas is a really big deal because you don't know like certain countries have like laws against it, and you should be aware and you should be able to move through this world naturally as you are. So I think representation is incredibly important. I think the travel industry is super late to the game and having to, like, jump on all these things and trends now. I mean, and I say the same thing about everything. We have to dismantle an entire system because the system was not made for us to travel. The system was not made for us to even be flight attendants at first. The system was not made for us to do any of these things. So it all, like, is connected.
2: Representation is incredibly important, I think, for too long. White people have been the default across industries, etc. And that just permeated into travel, especially because I, I don't know, I feel like there's always this like underlying manifest destiny with white people where they believe that they deserve to be able to see and do whatever they want while they're alive. And it's kind of like at the expense and or detriment of everyone else on the planet, as we've seen. And it's, but it just like inherent in that is like deserving to do these things whereas it might if in my family it was definitely seen as like this is a vacation this is a very specific reason that we're doing this it's kind of like you can travel on a whim or you can travel because you you know don't want to go to college yet or you can travel because you want to see the sights, or you want to learn something or you want to shadow someone who is like a master chef for a semester like i've seen literally like the most fleeting kind of like on a whim reasons that white people go travel and every single time I talk to a person of color it's incredibly intentional and they have like a whole schedule for what they're going to do for the entire time and I think it's because we aren't used to being able to take a break we aren't used to being able to uh, to like not work or you know take a load off it's always it always has to be incredibly intentional in a way that like white people have never had to answer for or justify I'm glad that the representation is now at the forefront or closer to the forefront of the industry than it has been. And I'm glad that people want more diverse perspectives than the ones that, you know, as Sarita mentioned, they come from an incredibly colonial angle too. Like we're going to show you this hole in the wall that we found in Montevideo. And it's like, they don't want you there. And then you're going to send all these tourists there They're going to ruin the local economies because everybody's going to want to take a picture in front of us. Like it's going to become a thing. And that's I don't think that's what anybody wants. But I think that I don't know. There's there's just so many implications to the way that travel is written about, editorialized. It's all from the perspective of whiteness and like deserving to belong everywhere. And I think that a lot of, you know, POC publications around travel are not necessarily from that angle. It's like you deserve to be here, but also while you are here, here's what else you could learn.
1: Yeah, I think also I always think about the term the world is your oyster, and it's like, no, the world is not your oyster. <laughs> like, it's not. Like, I take it literally in the way in which it's like you can go and do anything anywhere and be in any place. And it's like, but you have to really be think about what you're what you're encountering. Like, are you messing up someone's ecosystem by going? And and when I say ecosystem, I mean whatever whatever is actually happening in this country. Are you messing something up? Are you coming through and like doing? You know, anything that is that could be di- considered disruptive or poor for the economy or, you know, like, are you t- like the thing I hate the most I see all the time is like when I see a bunch of white people going to like African countries and taking pictures with the children and stuff like that or videos of them dancing. And I'm like, this is not your entertainment. You know what I mean? Like, this is not... This shouldn't be your focus on this trip. You should be trying to learn something about this country. Like, I think that's the other thing, too, is, like, the purpose of your travel. If you're doing purposeful travel, travel with a purpose. If you're not, if you're just trying to relax, go somewhere. Go to a resort that there is... You know what I mean? Like, don't... Like, it it just... There's, like, a weird... And I'm not trying to get people to not see the world. That's not the case at all. I just don't want it to be exploited. And I feel like... That happens so much, and I mean, it's literally inherent. It's inherent because, I mean, and I hate going back to like colonial times, but like you know, America was "quote unquote" discovered, and it was also exploited. The Native American people were wiped out—not wiped out, but like that's that was the intent—and also exploited. So it's just, it's like we can't. It's frustrating because I think that's also like kind of the the image of travel. I think that this systematic racism that is in America is something that's all around the world because it's been from colonialism. And, you know, most of the countries in this world have been colonized by British or, you know, French or, you know, colonizers. So a lot of that that, that systemic oppression comes from that and I think it it has like even though in America it's very symbolically based as well as like systematic and like where in other countries it doesn't feel like it's like symbolically based but obviously we can see with all the statues being taken down everywhere that it is definitely prevalent and there's still things that exist and that are still there. I take a lot of the racism in other countries where I, it's hard to say it's like racist there are definitely i've heard experiences from people that are like no this place is 100 racist they have said these specific things to me i have heard this i haven't had that experience yet but i'm also not as well traveled as others i will say though i do think that the racism that is here. And when you travel here from other countries as a black person, or like if you are like, let's say you're a, a black British person and you're traveling to America, I've have I've had people say to me like, "Wow." you guys are dealing with a whole nother level of racism here. Like, it's just, because like, it's not hiding. No one's in hiding anymore. It's like, we're they're in the world. They're like, we're out here, we're racist, we don't care, get used to it. So, <laughs> like, literally, that's kind of what it is. And so that's something that I think, they're like, at least over where we are, it's kind of like on the hush and nobody's blatantly being racist to me. Here, it's like, they're proud of it and it's fine. So I think all of those things exist everywhere. I just think that it's a... It's probably a knock on to like being rude or being like certain like, you know, or or if you just don't know and it's cultural, like if you are if it is a country and they have some racist, you know, attitudes towards black and brown people, those are learned behaviors from colonialism. You know, those are learned behaviors from the systematic racism that has been put in place in those places as well. There would be no hierarchy if it wasn't brought to us where there was like a white supremacy or anything like that.
0: After hearing them discuss the frustrations that they have to plan for, besides deciding where to eat and what to bring, I asked how fellow travelers can be good allies.
2: I think in terms of allyship in travel, I guess it is about sharing perspectives of people who are unlike you as they navigate the world. Because travel is not just like, you know, get on a plane going somewhere, get on a bus going somewhere. It's like living, you know? You travel within your neighborhood, you travel within your community, you travel within your state or your country. And so I think it's just about being an ally all around, sharing perspectives that aren't yours, learning about perspectives that aren't yours, amplifying voices of people and stories that are unlike things that you've heard. So we aren't reinforcing the same types of, you know, one-sided narratives and tried and true narratives that are palatable for white America. I think that's a way to be a good ally.
1: Yeah, I definitely would agree with what Rebecca is saying. I think it's hard to, it's not even hard to say say what to do, but I think one of the biggest things to do is to make space and uplift voices that aren't your own. And perspectives that aren't your own. If you do have a travel blog or something or feature, you know, black people, black and brown people, underrepresented voices, LGBTQIA people, the way that they travel, how they're traveling, where they're going, like all of these things, like give them a platform to speak louder so that everybody can hear them and know that they exist. I feel like I keep seeing that meme that's like on Twitter was like normalize this, normalize that, like normalize the fact that everybody can do this, like everybody travels. It's not just white affluent people traveling and, you know, and just like make space in general. If you hear something or someone say something, it's really hard to change people's minds. And like, especially with the TSA, TSA is founded based on fear. I mean, yes. So, I mean, if you hear something or anything like that, you know, it's the same thing as, like, seeing someone get pulled over by a cop. You can start recording. Like, if you see someone in the airport being treated unfairly, I mean, put the other person on blast and start recording. Or if it's, like, standing up for people. I think being an ally is, like, making yourself uncomfortable in order to help someone else be comfortable or to serve the comfort of someone else. I mean, we for so long have served the comfort of white people, you know, With everything, with our presence, with our words, um, our thoughts, feelings, we hide and keep in a lot of things because we don't want to offend white people. But now it's like maybe like, yeah, fuck that. So, (laughs) so, yeah, I mean, I'm just I think that's a that's a big one amplifying other voices that are underrepresented
0: 100%. To end on a light note, I wanted to focus back on our common love of travel. So I asked them that the moment they're able to travel again in our post-COVID world, where are they going to go?
1: Oh, I just want to get on somebody's beach. I'm just I just want to like lay out. I want to have a cocktail or like a pool. I want to go to like Jamaica or something like that. I would love to be like in some weather. Sorry, I want to be around some black folks. Like I want to be like I mean I do I live in I live in Portland yes yeah, so I'm like I just you know like I wanna I wanna go somewhere hot I wanna feel good and
2: <laughs> same I really I mean I've always wanted to go to Tokyo and there's so many people there I've always just wanted to like see Japanese culture is so interesting to me It'd be like living in the future for a little bit I feel that like vibe of just like a really energetic city. Mm-hmm.
0: So my dear strangers, if you are a traveler, you have a responsibility to take care of others. As travelers, we understand the immense rewards that happen when we step outside of our comfort zone. We need to work to make sure that all bodies have that same opportunity to travel as safely as possible. It's essential to our humanity that we connect with people who have completely different perspectives so we can show each other that we actually aren't that different. Travel gives us an opportunity to shift perceptions and dismantle prejudice in real time. And that starts with listening. That means not interrupting when someone is explaining the uncomfortable realities that they have to deal with. And while you're traveling, if you see some bullshit going down, in the words of Childish Gambino, get that zelly. It's a tool.